welcome to Destination Draft Day, your one-stop shop for all things NFL Draft. Nick Durst, Michael Rockman here. We are going to be bringing you the first 2022 mock draft of the cycle for us here at Destination Draft Day. We'll be talking about prospects. Obviously, you know, the border's not going to be perfect. The that are in aren't going to be next 32 that we'll see all the way down there in April. But these are some guys to keep an eye on. You know, some of these guys maybe aren't in your consensus mocks. Uh, I've never been that type to just try to follow consensus opinion. So if there's someone that I think, you know, deserves the recognition, they're probably going to be in here. So if you're looking for some extra names to add to your summer scouting list, possibly there's some here. And if not, then it's just a little extra insight. But Nick, first and foremost, I want to say, how are you doing on this wonderful Friday? Doing well, Michael, and it's, it's on to the next one here. So the 2021 draft is done. Looking forward to 2022. What I always love most about the, the very early 2022 mock drafts is the fact that we will see which teams do you think are going to be horrible this year, and we're going to see what team you think is going to win the Super Bowl because it's all part of the mock draft. Absolutely. Predictive order. You know, I could have gone with Vegas odds. It would have been fine, but I decided to add a little bit to it. We'll talk a little bit about how I expect the seasons to go along with the pick to add some extra analysis. So let's dive right in with picks one through eight. And with the first pick of the draft, we go with the Houston Texans. In this scenario, you know, with all that is going on with Deshaun Watson, I think it's safe to say that he probably does not play for the Texans again, whether it's because of the current situation with off-field stuff going on, or it's because of really the strained relationship with the front office here in the Texans organization. So the Houston Texans have to make a choice. And right now the top QBs in my mind are Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. Both offer very quality skill sets. And I think really Spencer Rattler is the one that offers the highest projection. So the Texans opt to take Spencer Rattler in the first pick of the draft. And for that, they hopefully get their QB of the future. Rattler has a live arm, great mobility, obviously started out the season very slow, but progressed extremely well as the season went along in this next year, 2021. I think you can expect to see Rattler really put up some incredible performances and potentially get Oklahoma in that playoff spot in a situation where there's no clear top dog i feel like in the college football world you know obviously alabama is always going to be there teams like that but really who wins it all is wide open and i think oklahoma has more of a legit chance to win it all than ever with the second pick we got sam howell to the detroit lions quarterback out of north carolina one of the things that you know a lot of these qbs have now that are top prospects is this ability to throw off platform howell doesn't necessarily have that but he's extremely well focused on you know quick hips getting his base set and he finds a way to deliver a clean ball I compare him to Dak Prescott because while Prescott isn't actually the most you know straightforward speed type of guy he moves around in the pocket well creates clean deliveries and really helps himself to set up the performance to be a top QB in the league despite maybe not having the strongest arm in the league with the third pick the Philadelphia Eagles go Kayvon Thibodeau the edge rusher out of Oregon if you've seen some of his highlights, you probably already know just how monstrous he can be. If you turn on any Oregon game, you've probably caught wind of him. This guy is an absolute beast. He's dominated NFL caliber linemen all season. Last year, the year before, he's 
insane. You know, even as a freshman, people were saying this guy's going to be a first round pick. I expect that to continue. He's not this, you know, 100% surefire thing, but he's absolutely a dominant edge rusher. And if you are looking for someone to watch as a defensive end or outside linebacker type, then definitely turn on Kayvon Thibodeau because this guy has everything you could want. At that next spot, number four, we got George Karlaftis out of Purdue. Look, I know that the Jets have already spent some money on the edge position getting Carl Lawson. They got Quinnen Williams there on the inside. But I think getting one more defensive end is perfectly fine. And I think really it's what Sala kind of built his success on in San Francisco, having guys like D Ford, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. And Karlaftis kind of fills that Armstead type of role. He's kind of a down lineman no matter what. Whether it's in a 3-4 or a 4-3, I think he's best down there on the line. And really in a 4-3, I think he's the perfect fit. With a defensive-minded coach like Greg Sala, I think this would be – or Robert Sala, sorry. Um, I think it would be absolutely phenomenal. And really just Carl Laftis is someone that has an extremely powerful sense to his game that's going to dominate tackles all the way and him and Carl Lawson on the edge for the Jets would be absolutely scary from a Patriots fan like myself with the fifth pick the Jaguars you know I've been talking about it as the Jaguars could potentially be a team that really flies up the board and they still could but I think with the offseason they had I'm not entirely sold on them being all in on that first year with Trevor Lawrence I think they want to kind of have a year where they get everything acclimated and then they really dive in so with this fifth pick, I think it's important to protect Trevor Lawrence. And Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama, I think is a great fit for that. He offers tremendous size, 360 pounds plus, And he's just, you know, an absolute beast at the tackle spot. There's still definitely some development that's needed. And a lot of these guys maybe are more projections than they are current skill set. But that's going to happen with years like the COVID season that we had and just young players in general. I think for the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, the offensive line is still a big question mark, and getting a guy like Evan Neal in that spot is absolutely huge. With the sixth pick, the Cincinnati Bengals struggle to meet, you know, probably the higher expectations, and I think Zach Taylor ends up fired. But in this situation, the Bengals also hire Joe Brady and dip back into that LSU pool. I don't love the overall cornerback unit that they have. Chidobe Uze. Trey Waynes, you know, there's solid talent, but I think they really need a number one corner. And personally, I think while Stingley has some issues on tape, the athleticism and the proven track record is still enough to where we're going to see this guy put up another great season and then become the first cornerback off the board. He's got great length, great size, great ability to go against top options, has some issues. You know, he gets beat at times with, with more elusive receivers, but I think as long as you – bring him into a system where the coaches are working on him, you know, teaching him to really take those next steps, then Stingley absolutely will. And the Cincinnati Bengals can get a lockdown defender that'll help this team take that next step as they move forward in what this situation would be the no longer Zach Taylor era at number seven and eight, the giants get the bears pick. So I have them going QB, you know, in this situation, if they were to fall in this bottom eight, I think it would be the end of Daniel Jones because really with this offense set in place, they need to have production and performance. And I'm not sure that I see it happening. I think Daniel Jones showed some promise so we could see him being the quarterback somewhere else. And we could see the giants opt to remain with him, but 
you know, after a season like this, I think we could very well see them decide to move on. Desmond Ritter for me may not be the most polished prospect, but I think he offers a lot of the same traits like a Justin Herbert. And while that doesn't mean that he's going to be Justin Herbert in the NFL, I think we're going to see similar value for him. He could be one of those later round picks in that Jordan Love type range where he falls into the 20s, but someone still takes that pick. He's got a great arm. He's got great mobility. The big issue is consistency and placement. If he can learn to check down better, if he can learn to really make all the throws on the number instead of really kind of forcing the ball into areas where the receivers just can't get to it, then we could absolutely see Ritter solidify his stock as a first-round QB. He's gotten a lot of talk about it, but at the moment, you know, I think he's kind of in that third area. And if he puts it together right now in the college process, I think we could see him as the quarterback one in this situation. And then at number eight, the Giants, again, Kenyon Green, offensive guard out of Texas A&M. He'll be playing left tackle this year for the Aggies, but he is absolutely best on the inside. I think they've done well in terms of investing in their offensive line, but the interior still has plenty of question marks. Will Hernandez hopefully can take that next step to really consistently be that left guard, but he's kind of fallen off a bit. They let Zietler go in the offseason. I think they need to invest and really protect whoever's behind there. And Kenyon Green is the best interior offensive lineman in this class. All right, Michael. Lots to unpack here. Uh, Spencer Rattler, interesting to see. You have him as the number one overall pick. I guess it's really going to depend on what Oklahoma does this season, but their quarterbacks always tend to show up and show out in their upperclassmen seasons. Sam Howell, like a lot, uh, Overall, the North Carolina program is back, and it kind of coincided with him coming on campus with Mac with Mac Brown. Uh, I'll tell you this much. If, if the Eagles are picking third and the Jets are picking fourth, their fans are going to be very, very unhappy. But I'm with you. I don't really see how these teams are going to win more than, like, four games. So it makes sense to me that you'd have them there. Uh, if if the Jaguars struggle this year, uh, of course, I really do believe they would – it would make sense for them to go go offensive line because a lot of those struggles will probably be that Lawrence is getting sacked or pressured nonstop. Uh, <clears throat> Bengals, it's going to take some time here. So if they're if they're picking in the top six this year, yes, Taylor will be gone, and Joe Brady's the obvious guy with Burrow and Chase there. So we'll see how much more they go. I think they still need offensive lines. So hopefully, taking that now. The Giants picking seven and eight. Before I talk about these guys here, I want to ask you a question. If the Giants have the seventh and eighth pick in the draft, are they calling Green Bay to give two first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers, who we think is probably done in Green Bay after this season? Oh, yeah, I think that's definitely an option on the table. If he is on the move, I think that the Giants could very well try to position themselves to bring in Aaron Rodgers because – while you may love a prospect in this class and they may opt to do that, I think getting someone who is solidified as a dominant QB in this league is absolutely huge. And having that opportunity with those two first round picks is definitely a great opportunity. You know, the Giants, I think they're in a situation where the offense is certainly set up to compete. The defense overperformed last year and Joe Judge can likely keep that thing going. So if they can really just get that QB to put them over the top thread or push the needle and push them into that playoff or even contender category, then absolutely. I think they have to do it. Yeah. You also have to consider 
what happens with the Seahawks this season? Does Russell Wilson continue to be unhappy? And maybe that's an option as well. So I think if the Giants are not happy with Daniel Jones after the season, they are the prime contenders to acquire whoever they want QB-wise via a trade. Uh, no, going into this season here, I think the Giants' two biggest issues are going to be quarterback. Is Daniel Jones going to throw a lot of interceptions and fumble a lot? And the offensive line, which is not not good. You mentioned they got rid of Zeitler for a cap casualty. Uh, they didn't replace him at all. So it's going to be really tough to, to give Daniel Jones time that he would need in order to not turn the ball over this season. So uh, I do like the fact that you had them picking a QB and picking an offensive lineman, which would be the two big needs going into next offseason. Absolutely. Now we move on to picks 9 through 16. And at number nine, we got the Carolina Panthers. In this situation, I trust that Sam Darnold is going to put up a good enough season to get one more year. I think the Panthers, though, defensively still have a lot of work to get done. And I have them going Alec Anderson, offensive tackle out of UCLA, one that hasn't really gotten a lot of hype going into this season. But I think based on what I've seen on tape, I really like what he can do. Maybe not the biggest guy, 6'4", 300 pounds, but he definitely moves well, is a dominant player has some insane moments in the Pac-12 championship, really lit up some of the USC defenders to really dominate at the line of scrimmage. A tremendous mover. I really love what Alec Anderson has to offer. Maybe a little bit of an overprojection here, but based on the tackles in this class, I think a lot of them are being overprojected. You know, there's plenty of talent in terms of guys like Charles Cross, Zion Nelson, but they have a long way to go before they take that next step to be in this category. I'm going with someone that I've seen a little bit more from, and that's Alec Anderson. At number 10, the Dolphins get the San Francisco 49ers pick, and they take David Ogwegbu, linebacker out of Oklahoma, someone that I am tremendously high on. I think he's another guy that's probably slept on in terms of the overall draft cycle itself. He's got an outstanding frame, 6'4", 250 pounds. Came in as a defensive end, so he has the ability to drop down if needed a very strong run stopper, a great tackler, has some plays where he shows off great athleticism, needs to move a little bit better. He's not as fluid in space, but I think in a role like Mike Linebacker with a Flores defense or a Patriots defense, I think he fits in phenomenally, fills that frame that kind of allows him to be that high tower type. Can he really take that step of fluidity is the big question mark, and sometimes it's hard to develop, but I really like what I've seen from Oigbu. And I think in one more year with play development and just time in the offseason, we could see him fly up boards and be the linebacker one. At pick 11, the Washington football team goes with Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. I think this is an interesting spot because really, I think it's safe to say there's going to be a QB that comes out from out of nowhere that flies into this draft talk and really makes it probably a fourth QB, assuming that, you know, Howell, Rattler, and Ritter or someone stays in the conversation. But at the moment, I'm not confident enough in any of the QBs I've seen. So for now, those three QBs are all that we're going to see come off the board in this first round. And for that, the Washington football team, they aren't really getting a bad consolation prize in Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, he's got great frame. He's an outstanding free safety. He's an outstanding strong safety. Really, as simple as it is, he's almost – just Harrison Smith cloned and now is a prospect again because this guy can do everything you want 
And for the Washington football team, if they walk away from this draft with Kyle Hamilton, I think fans will be very okay with that because it is an exciting and dominant player. At pick number 12, the Denver Broncos go with probably the weirdest case in this offseason. Daniel Falele, offensive tackle out of Minnesota, didn't play a snap last year. And no one talked about it. It was very strange. No one on the Minnesota staff really answered as to what was going on. A lot of people were saying, oh, did he opt out? Did he not? Is he going to be entering the draft? Is he not? 6'9", 400 pounds. That is enough to really grab people's eyes, but he is a great blocker. I think the year off is confusing, and a lot of teams will have questions about it, but I think assuming that there was nothing crazy going on, he should be able to reestablish himself as a top tackle in this draft, offers plenty of potential with his size and power, moves pretty well, former rugby player. Definitely look for Falele to really capture a team's interest, and for the Broncos at that right tackle spot, especially with the Juwan James injury, it could be wide open for a guy like Falele. At pick number 13, the Atlanta Falcons go to Marvin Leal, the defensive end out of Texas A&M. I'm a huge fan. You know, the production is the big question mark for him because there's so much that still needs to be accomplished. We need to see him become a consistent pass rusher. But as that 4-3 defensive end, Probably stays down if they go if they move around to three four. Leal could be an absolute dominant player. I'm a huge fan. The Falcons definitely need pass rush. They have Grady Jarrett on the inside. They paid Dante Fowler, but it hasn't really turned into much. Getting Leal is absolutely huge for the Atlanta Falcons, or at least getting an edge presence of some sort. At pick 14, the Raiders go Christian Harris, linebacker out of Alabama. Someone that I think could easily be the top linebacker off the board. Personally, though, uh, just scheme fit with the Dolphins. They're going to look for bigger guys at the linebacker spot where Christian Harris could go to the Raiders and be fine size frame-wise. And really, he's going to be an exciting pick or player this season. Moves around the field extremely well. Lowers his shoulder to provide massive hits. The Raiders themselves have invested in the linebacker spot but haven't really gotten the production that you would kind of look for out of that position. Corey Littleton has been meh, and really Christian Harris could step in and really be a young but dominant player for that defense. At pick 15, Martin Emerson, cornerback out of Mississippi State to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals kind of, you know, avoided the cornerback spot. They got Tay Gowen. They got Marco Wilson, but I think the cornerback spot as a whole is still very much in question. Malcolm Butler there for the season, but long-term, I don't love the guys that are in there. Byron Murphy's a very good corner, but I think they need someone else to really be that number one guy, and Martin Emerson will hopefully be that guy. He's had a quietly dominant SEC career, and you know he's just starting to get noticed. I, I didn't even hear about him until last week, and I started watching tape. I really enjoyed what I saw. He did well against Alabama. He did well against Florida. He did well against really all NFL prospect receivers. And it showed that he just has a phenomenal skill set, great length, great mirroring ability. He can drop back into deep zones or he can follow people across the field. He mostly stayed in that deep zone area over from Mississippi State. And I think really with the Arizona Cardinals, this could be a pick that could get Cliff on the hot seat because if they're sitting here at 15 again, it kind of raises questions. Are we going to get that next step or not? In this situation, I predict 
that the Arizona Cardinals would fire Cliff Kingsbury and hire Eric Bieniemy to really take that next step with a vertical passing offense. Nick, if the Cardinals were to fire Cliff, do you think that they would be making a huge mistake or do you think it could potentially be the right move? Hmm. I mean, it's tough. It really all depends on Kyler Murray. How does Murray play this year? If Murray is incredible, but the defense is bad, you know, maybe you give him another year. Uh, but if it's just all around, you know, same stuff here, maybe you got to move on. However, you know, this team, they were, if Kyler Murray doesn't get injured in week 17, I'm pretty sure they're going to go to the playoffs over the Bears. Uh, I think they're, I think they are a playoff team. I think they're better than a lot of teams in their division. In fact, I'd almost say they could potentially win the division. So I don't foresee this happening, but it's interesting with, with Kingsbury. I know you're not a huge fan of him, uh, but it all, it all comes down to Murray. Let's see. Let's see how Murray plays. Uh, and if, if JJ Watts getting injured week one and is out for the season, like it's happened a bunch of times, maybe you got to give the guy a pass. Yeah, absolutely. There's still definitely a lot of talent on this team. I think the biggest issue for me was just as I was going through it, the first time I did my prediction, I, I had them in the playoffs and then I started looking around kind of reconsidering things and looking at the last year's schedule for the Cardinals, they kind of struggled against teams that were genuinely competitive. A lot of their wins came on a favorable schedule. You know, they had the Hail Mary victory against Buffalo. So it's just tough to really be entirely sold on them. But like you said, you know, they were very close to making playoffs. So I could just be sleeping on them a little bit too much. With yeah, that- maybe maybe you're loving the, the 49ers too much. You're, <laughs> you're, you're putting too much faith in Justin Fields. With the 16th pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Andrew Booth, corner out of Clemson. It was rumored that Joe Hayden could be on the move last year. I think he's going to hit the free agency market this year, probably comes back, but that second cornerback spot is still wide open. Cam Sutton right now is the slot corner there in Pittsburgh. They need one more guy in that situation. We could see this pick spent towards the next QB for Pittsburgh, but right now, you know, there's just, there's a lot of question marks about the Steelers. And I think that's why, you know, at 16, some people may be a little surprised to see them outside of that playoff picture. I don't love the offensive line. I think Big Ben's going to have some issues this year. I think Najee Harris is in for, you know, a little bit of a slower start than people expect because of this offensive line. And in turn, you know, I think the defense could lose some momentum as well as the season goes along. The way they ended last year still has left a bitter taste in my mouth, and that could be why I don't expect them to succeed as well as they have. But right now, there's just way too many question marks about them. For Booth himself, he's got fluid hips, moves down the field well. In that Clemson coverage scheme, you know, there's some hard things to tell what's on the scheme and what's on the talent. But overall, he moves very well. He's got great athleticism, great size. And again, just going back to that Clemson room, there's plenty of talent in there with Sheridan Jones, Darion uh, Kendrick. And then I think Andrew Booth might be the best of them all. A very talented room. All should be day two picks at least. And Andrew Booth, first one off the board. Well, Michael, it's interesting here. You see, if you see the Raiders here uh, picking in the, you know, top half of the draft, 
I, you know, I think Gruden's very secure in his job. He's got a 10 year deal, questionable picks, you know, two years in a row. I don't know. I, this team, I didn't feel like they were too far off from you know, the playoffs, but I really didn't see any major improvements this off season. So I think it's going to be tough for them. Uh, I wonder if Mayock decides to step down though, at some point, because I, to me, it seems like he's really not doing anything with the draft. He's doing the scouting, but it's it's Gruden calling the shots, and we'll see if they go back-to-back years taking an Alabama guy in the first round, or three years in a row, rather. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because there's just so much that's hard to project about keeping the team the same, and the Raiders really – did that for the most part. They added some great pieces. You know, Casey Hayward's going to be great. Trevon Moore get free safety. I like Yannick Ngakwe on the defensive line, adding to that rotation really is something that could pay off in a tremendous way. But I really like what the rest of the AFC West has done. And that's what makes it hard for me to really be sold on the Raiders as a full team in general, I guess. So it's hard to, really buy into them being this dominant team. I think that them, the Broncos, the Chargers, all have about similar uh, chances to make playoffs. And it wouldn't surprise me if any of them did. But in this situation, I, I only went with one. The other two teams kind of finished in that 8 and 9, 7 and 10, 9 and 8 type range. So for the Raiders and, you know, a few picks earlier, the Broncos, I think it'll be seasons that show some promise, but – Probably a little bit disappointing to not have it end in a playoff run of some sort. Yep. And the Falcon, you have the Falcons here finally going defense. Uh, we'll see how Kyle Pitts is, but I don't think that was a big need for them. I think the defense is still going to be questionable this season. Absolutely. And hopefully with the new coaching staff, things can kind of become serviceable and that offense can really win a lot of shootouts for them. But there's still definitely some holes on that roster. Corner is a big one. Edge is a big one linebacker could still use some help even so there's plenty that needs to be addressed on that Falcons defensive side of things but like you said with Pitts hopefully you know just adding another weapon can get some offensive production and then we'll see I I do want to see Matt Ryan finish his career in Atlanta and finish his career competitive and right now it's kind of questionable on on if that'll happen, either if the Falcons will be competitive or if Matt Ryan will be around in Atlanta. Right. And the other big run. thing with the Falcons right now, we're hearing potentially Julio Jones gets moved next month. If, if they want to win now with Matt Ryan, I'm not sure why you would make that trade. Yeah, I feel like the draft pick of Pitts, despite maybe some people looking at that and saying, oh, that fills up the room too much. I think that kind of indicates that Julio's here to stay because it shows you're winning. You're trying to win now. If they weren't, then they would have drafted a QB. But whenever Trey Lance got picked, they were super excited about it because they wanted Pitts. And I feel like if they were all in on Pitts from the start, then you know that should indicate that they're all in on this offense just being a juggernaut. And you can't expect your offense to continue to be a juggernaut if you're letting go of Julio Jones. And now we move on to pick 17 through 24. At number 17, the Los Angeles Chargers add Ahmad Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. This cornerback class is extremely talented and one that you know has plenty of options throughout. There was a little bit of a cornerback run here with Emerson, uh, Booth, and now Gardner. 
And for the Chargers, I think adding Asante Samuel is absolutely huge, but they need to add one more guy to really fill up that defense. We saw it last year with the Rams where Brandon Staley was defensive coordinator. They needed, you know, a very good room of Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, multiple options throughout that defense. And I think adding a mod Gardner would be absolutely huge for the Chargers to kind of take that next step. Derwin James in that secondary is going to be huge uh, as long as he's healthy. The Chargers are a team that really it's extremely exciting to hopefully see what they will become because there's just so much upside here. Had them just missing the playoffs, I think there's still some issues on the offensive line. The interior needs work. Adding Corey Lindsley's big. Having the right tackle and left tackle spot set up is great. But I don't know. I'm just not entirely sold that Justin Herbert's going to repeat that same success while they have, you know, the rest of this roster still entirely intact. It just, it's questionable right now. I think we'll see one more year of the Chargers kind of preparing, getting ready, and then they'll take off. Yeah, well, new coach, so we'll see how that happens. We'll see if Herbert takes a step back without Anthony Lynn, but Chargers are close. They really are, and I, I think they are certainly the number two team in the AFC West, so you just need to figure out now, are they a top seven team in the AFC? Patriots, we think, are going to be improved. We think the Dolphins are going to be improved. Uh, the South, we think, are going to just beat up on the the Texans. So it should be competitive in the sense that everyone's going to be in that, um, you know, nine and eight range uh, around there. So it, it's going to be interesting. They do have, a, I think, they do have a legit chance to make the playoffs this year, though. Absolutely agree. And with that eighteenth pick, the New England Patriots get George Pickens. I know they invest in the wide receiver spot. You know, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. But I think they need that top guy. Nikhil Harry hasn't shown to be developing in this system. I think whether or not he improves in production or not, they could still go wide receiver. George Pickens tore his ACL, will not be playing. But in my mind, I just kind of look at it like an opt-out. I think he'll be back and healthy by the time there's testing, by the time there's anything that really needs to prove it, and he's going to shine. We've seen enough on tape from Pickens in my mind. I think he's the top wide receiver in this class. The wide receiver class as a whole doesn't have the same top-level talent at the moment as a lot of these other classes these past two years have had. But I think, you know, looking at guys like Pickens, they very well could still contribute to an offense on day one. And for the Patriots, I think they need that type of presence in their offense, especially with Mac Jones now stepping into the QB position in this situation. At number 19, the... Dallas Cowboys go Jordan Davis, defensive lineman out of Georgia. They've kind of just filled up their defensive line with three techs, and it's kind of weird. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation to figure out if that's intentional or if they plan on getting a one-tech or nose-tackle type. And for me, Jordan Davis fits that mold extremely well. He is a phenomenal run stuffer. I think this is a weird projection to try to make only because we saw it with you know Tyler Shelvin and all the other nose tackles last year. They just don't get that same love anymore, and now they're second, third-round picks, or even later. So for Jordan Davis, a dominant, size, menacing-type defensive tackle, will he be enough to be in the first round, or are we going to see him also continue that trend that is now nose tackles just don't get the same love in terms of value? But for the Cowboys, if they add interior defensive line, they need to do it at the one-tech spot, and Jordan Davis fills that need perfectly. 
for the New Orleans Saints. I have him going Jordan Battle. I expect Marcus Williams to continue to be a New Orleans Saint. I think they'll figure it out and find a way to keep him. But the Saints still need to find a way to fill that strong safety spot. Garner Johnson most likely dropping down to that slot corner position full time, mostly with Chris Richard. So adding Jordan Battle to that strong safety spot to play the Malcolm Jenkins type role I think adds plenty of versatility, adds plenty of ability, and really Jordan Battle is one of the best safeties in this class. A dominant presence, a dominant Alabama defender. Tell me if you've heard the story before because it's just consistent, and Jordan Battle is one of the best of them. Look for him to really rise up boards, potentially go higher than even this pick right here. At the 21st pick, the Baltimore Ravens go Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa. They really need to get some consistency on the inside. They drafted some nice players to help fill that spot, but it was guard spots. So getting that center spot filled is absolutely huge, and Linderbaum does that extremely well. He's a great mover, great athleticism, probably the top center in the country. And really, I don't think the gap between him and Kenyon Green is that far apart. So the Baltimore Ravens getting him at pick 21 is an absolute steal in value and a great get for Lamar Jackson's future as the center position so far has been quite questionable. Yeah, I think I think Linderbaum's one of the best centers that we've seen in a number of years here and if not for the stigma like oh it's a center then if it was just if he was just a guard or a tackle I think we'd be seeing him much higher in the draft. Absolutely. And at pick number 22, Justin Ross, wide receiver out of Clemson, missed last year with injuries that really threatened his overall career. Now back, looking to be the top wide receiver for Clemson. DJ Uigalele is going to be targeting him heavily and look for Justin Ross to really put up a great season in his bounce back year. Really showed a lot in his younger years with T. Higgins. And now as the lead wide receiver there in Clemson, I think he could absolutely be in for a monster year. There's a lot of talent in that Clemson wide receiver room. Frank Ladson. Uh, Joseph Nagata, there's plenty of options all around. Even at the tight end spot with Braden Galloway, there's just weapons galore. But Justin Ross, I think, is the top one. And look for him to really go in that first round if he puts together a great season. At the 23rd pick, we got Greg Dolchich, tight end. Greg Dolchich, tight end out of UCLA. A absolute mover at the position. Great athlete, great ability catches the ball well, blocks well, is just one of the more well-rounded tight ends in this class, and currently my tight end one. The Vikings lost Kyle Rudolph, and I don't think we're going to see a huge drop-off in that terms, but or in those terms, but I do think that they could look to get back to that two tight end, two wide receiver type system. And really with Dolchich, I think it makes it a dominant offense again. They could look to go wide receiver. They could look to go three uh, three wide receivers and one tight end keep Irv Smith as their guy, and I think that'd be perfectly fine. But if they are looking to add that second tight end to really be the main guy while Irv kind of plays that tight end two role, I think Dolchich could be an absolute great fit and a great weapon for Kirk Cousins or maybe Kellen Mond. Who knows? At pick number 24, we got Mike Jones Jr. to the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the Dolphins pick, but it was traded in order for them to get back up to six to select Jalen Waddle, Look for Mike Jones or one of these coverage linebackers to be someone that the Eagles are targeting heavily. They have plenty of first-round picks. Three, if the things play out correctly. And for the Eagles, really, you know, adding Kayvon Thibodeau is great, but they need some more defensive talent. 
I think they go defense heavy in this situation. I think they give Hurts one more year. I think there's enough there to where you can believe in him. If if he struggles all year and they are still in that top three spot, then absolutely. I expect them to look at QB and address it there. But right now, based on what we've seen, you know, there's some issues passing the ball, but I think he showed enough as a rookie that in a system that hopefully plays to his favor a little bit more than Peterson really tried to, then we could see Jalen Hurts stick around as the QB in Philadelphia at least one more season. Mike Jones is a great coverage guy transferring from Clemson to LSU. Look for him to really flourish in a role in LSU where they really play it to his skill set, kind of that Jabril Cox type role. And I think we could see him have a great season and in turn become a first round pick and a great fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, look, uh, it's, the Eagles are going to be one of those teams that you got to watch this year and maybe not for good reasons. They could be a train wreck. Uh, their fan base is not very happy. Jalen Hurts, you'd assume, is going to start, but uh, does he make it the whole season? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, this guy couldn't even start, play a full game in week 17. They're trying to see other options on the roster last season. So they signed Joe Flacco, and much like Joe Flacco at the Jets last year, I think we do see a healthy dose of Joe Flacco playing for the Eagles this season. It's certainly very possible. And now we move on to 25 through 32 and the run on cornerbacks continue at number 25, Kair Elam cornerback out of Florida. I think Sala is phenomenal at making cornerbacks fit his scheme that really kind of maybe are lower value than you'd expect. But Elam here at 6'2", great size, great ability, impress to really fit Salah's scheme perfectly. And that's why he's a selection here at 25. I know that they have some guys in place. They have Bryce Hall. They have uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe not too many guys in place. But the Jets definitely could add some talent in the cornerback room regardless. And a team like Elam, or a player like Elam, I think absolutely does that. Even if Jason Pinnock steps up and has a good rookie year, they would love to get a healthy rotation of consistency in that mix, and Elam, I think, could provide that. With that next pick, 26, the Eagles back on the clock. Haven't seen them in a minute. The Indianapolis Colts lose this pick as terms of the Carson Wentz trade. He plays over 70% of snaps in this situation, and the Eagles pick Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington. A great mover, great physicality, not the biggest guy you know he's 5'11 200 pounds but that's not going to kill him I don't think he's definitely got the skill set for the Eagles themselves Darius Slay is kind of their only consistent corner right now and even he has his issues he's getting older so getting a guy like McDuffie is absolutely huge for the defense and the Eagles three first round picks all spent on defense hopefully can kind of get back to that Super Bowl winning way where they really had a lot of uh, defensive guys that were contributing to that victory at pick 27, the Cleveland Browns go Emil Echior Jr., offensive guard out of Alabama. And kind of the thought process here is that Wyatt Teller hits the market and the Browns opt not to pay him. And it's something that I'm sure a lot of Browns fans wouldn't love the idea of. But I think ultimately the Browns are going to have to start making decisions that are probably not going to be in favor of a lot of fans, but more in favor of trying to just get the best values. And Wyatt Teller has played phenomenally for them and will probably get a huge payday somewhere. 
I don't think the Browns should do it. I think that they should continue to draft as well as they have for the interior offensive line. And with that first pick, Emil Echior is a great selection to get and a great talent to have on that offensive line to where they don't miss a beat heading into that next season. At number 28, Jalen Weidermeyer to the Green Bay Packers. The Packers finally get a weapon for Aaron Rodgers, who puts together another great season. And, you know, really the big question is, will Tanyan be back? Because he's a free agent right now. In my mind, I could see him getting overpaid by a place that maybe is looking to fill the tight end spot and thinks Tanyan could be their guy. So for this, you know, the Packers would have a wide open hole at the tight end spot. Jalen Watermeyer very much in talks to be the tight end one coming out of this class. I think even here at 28, people are going to be saying that I'm underrating him. And it's very possible that I am. Look for the Packers if he's on the board or maybe a Dolchich or some other tight end. This tight end class is going to be stacked, ladies and gentlemen. So look for the Packers to potentially yeah. capitalize on that and get a great option, whether it's in the first round, in the second, in the third. I don't know, but there are plenty of options throughout the class to where they could add a great weapon for Rodgers. All right. Or 20, 2021 draft class of tight ends, not that great. That maybe explains why Kelvin Benjamin is working out with the Giants as a tight end tier. Giants trying to get creative and take a tight end in the draft. Um, they have Engram, who drops the ball. They sign Rudolph, who's already he already knows going to be out. He's getting surgery. But Kelvin Benjamin, there's uh, actually for tight ends here that a former star wide receiver with the Panthers is looking to convert positions here. Hey, it worked out for you know some guys with the Washington football team. So going from QB to tight end, so why not? And it's gonna it's working out another QB to tight end, which would be Tim Tebow of the Jaguars. It's a tight end need right now. Absolutely. Really, you know, this last tight end class, it had some guys, but the overall appeal to the NFL just wasn't there. So, you know, like Nick said, whether it's them kind of setting their sights on this draft class or maybe it's trying their luck with project tight ends. The NFL is definitely open at the tight end spot. We see some teams, even the San Francisco 49ers, have been heavy in pursuing a tight end too to kind of match with Kittle. Don't be surprised if they are another team that's active in either trading for maybe an Evan Ingram this time. Last offseason, it was rumored it could happen this year. Or maybe drafting one in this draft class this year as they you know, try to get this offense ready for Trey Lance. Well, what I'll say is this. You know, anytime, you know, every time there's like a change in the league mindset, it's usually with Bill Belichick. So <laughs> you know very well, Michael, what does Bill Belichick do this offseason? He goes, he gets, he signs Jono Smith. He gets Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is going to be tremendous, by the way, this year. But they're going back to the two tight end set. Uh, it's going to be dangerous. And... I think next offseason you'll see a lot of teams trying to copy that, like they always do, copy Bill Belichick. Absolutely. And at pick number 29, Bill Belichick's former QB, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Tyler Davis, defensive lineman out of Clemson. This is kind of the issue for the Bucs. They were able to retain all their players, but now with one more year pushed back, we could see some issues, whether it's pushing off even more dead cap to where the window of, terrible play will be longer after Brady or maybe they lose some guys and William Golston is one of those guys that could be lost Tyler Davis playing that three tech five tech type spot for the Buccaneers 
in that defensive end role in their three, four look could absolutely work well. And I think he really has put together some great seasons at Clemson been a star for that defense. Look for them to really address the defensive end spot or really just defensive line as a whole outside of nose tackle. At 30, the Buffalo Bills go Kyron Williams running back out of Notre Dame. I think that he's going to be the number one running back off the board once we really start getting into the season. There's talks about Isaiah Spiller. There's talks about other guys like Brees Hall. But really, I think Kyron Williams offers the most of the running backs that are being talked about to be that high. And I think we could see him being the first off the board. And for the Buffalo Bills, they were interested in running backs. Travis Etienne, they were interested in Najee Harris but they just weren't there whenever they were on the board. I think they didn't want to trade up for anything. They were just going to sit still, and if it happened to happen, it didn't happen. So now this year, hopefully the luck changes a little bit. You re- you've been really running. pushing for the Bills to get that running back. Yeah, I just I love the idea of adding that consistent running back in that backfield because the offense has already taken tremendous strides, but they just need that, you know, that game-changing back. And it doesn't have to be in the first round, but I do want to see them get someone that really kind of changes the overall running presence of that Buffalo Bills team because right now it's very dependent on Josh Allen. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but they'll be right back in the AFC Championship game where they belong, it looks like. And you got the Buccaneers losing to the Detroit Lions. (laughs) Michael will explain that in a second, but you know the Chiefs are going to beat the Bills again and go back to the Super Bowl, looks like, in in your rankings here. Yeah, absolutely. And really the big question mark here is what the Chiefs do – at wide receiver, Sammy Watkins, obviously gone. They really have reinvested in their offensive line to where I think it's not as much of a need. But the wide receiver spot to really fill that Sammy Watkins void right now looks like Cornell Powell, who I think is a great third, fourth wide receiver. But adding a guy like Christian Watson out of North Dakota State who offers tremendous size, tremendous speed, and really tremendous playmaking ability would be absolutely phenomenal, especially with his fit for a QB like Patrick Mahomes who loves to send the ball downfield. This is a big guy who is a deep threat. So I think you really kind of get that mix of size that's necessary in that Kansas City wide receiver room with Hardman and Hill on the field right now. You need someone who can be that big possession guy, but also someone who offers that speed to still take the top off when needed. And Christian Watson absolutely does that. And at number 32, obviously, you know, the Detroit Lions win the Super Bowl. If you're sleeping on Jared Goff, Dan Campbell just took out the knees of all 31 other teams, and they win. Uh, now, actually, this is <laughs> all the Jared time. Goff, he does it. He goes to Detroit, and real quick, they go to the Super Bowl, and finally the rebuild is over. They got Jared Goff. Yes, sir. Now, this is the Los Angeles Rams. I, I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about the Los Angeles Rams and how this team is set up. You know, obviously – They have superstars on the defensive side with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. They have a very solid wide receiver room with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, you know, Deshaun Jackson, I guess Tutu Atwell. I don't know. We'll see. But I look at Cam Akers, and I think he's going to contribute in a great way for this run game. And I think that makes Stafford's job very easy. I don't want to say, you know, oh, Jared Goff was just holding them back. But I do think that the jump, from golf to Stafford is going to be absolutely huge. And this team, you know, they just have all the pieces and really getting that QB to make them push over the top is what that trade was all about. And now I think it pays off. 
For the Lions, though, they get this pick. And it's Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College, an absolute playmaker. If you are looking for a wide receiver that's kind of been a little underrated, honestly, in this process, look for Zay Flowers because he has excellent playmaking ability. Probably going to be a slot type guy, 5'11, 180 pounds right now, trying to add weight, but he can make guys miss. He can get open against any type of coverage. He plays great as a deep threat. He plays great in the short to intermediate game. He can do it all as a wide receiver. He's one of my favorite guys in this class. May end up my number one overall receiver. Still unsure. I'm kind of still trying to get through all the tape, trying to really look around, find some guys that maybe will rise up boards. But right now, Zay Flowers is one of my absolute favorite players in this class. And for the Detroit Lions, that wide receiver room needs some help. Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, Amon Ross St. Brown, they need some options in that room if they want Jared Goff to succeed. Obviously, in this scenario, it would be Sam Howell as the new quarterback. And, you know, that'd be an interesting situation as well. What would happen with Goff if the Lions were to kind of finish that poorly? And I think we could see Goff go to a place like Denver where they need that QB, and maybe he would be able to get them to the playoffs and really will them and find a successful career there in Denver. Really, there's plenty of options all around the league that still could use QBs. You know, Pittsburgh, Washington. New Orleans all could potentially be in that mix of looking for a QB after the season. I think Winston will work out, but I'm sure there's plenty of people who think otherwise. So Jared Goff, even if the Lions have a poor season, I think could still be in that starting QB market. And for the Lions, though, most importantly, just getting back here to this 30-second pick, they need to add some talent for whoever steps in there on that wide receiver room. They have Sewell. They have Jonah Jackson. They, their line is set up. Frank Ragnow is one of the best centers in football. They have some they have some good talent to really protect the QB, but you need to get them some weapons. DeAndre Swift is one of the more underrated running backs in the NFL right now because he's so young, but that wide receiver room is just the big question mark. And adding a guy like Zay Flowers, I think could absolutely help push that needle to where the QB can find success early. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting year for the lions. Do they move on from Goff after the first year? They definitely could depends who they're picking. Um, I don't see the Rams making the Super Bowl this year. I just, for some reason, I just don't see them making a tremendous step forward here. Uh, I mentioned uh, I'm I'm high on the Cardinals. So I think it's going to be very tough there. Uh, the big question mark really is the Packers because I think if Rodgers plays, they're probably back in the NFC Championship game. Tampa Bay, I think, is going to cruise to the one seed this year, unless they're having a Super Bowl hangover. Um, but their division is much weaker now with without Drew Brees. They're going to easily win 13 games, I would think. So I think they're going to have home field. But it's just so hard to get back to the Super Bowl after winning it. Um, and it's even harder with the Chiefs to go back to the Super Bowl after losing it. Uh, and it would be the third time they're there. If the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl again, Michael, do we see any sort of shakeup at the top with the big stars? I don't know if we really see a big shakeup in terms of the roster. I think that's kind of the hard situation because in this prediction, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, thinking about the narrative. But, you know, if the Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl and lose again, people would start to be like, oh, Mahomes is a choker. The The Chiefs just aren't going to win again. And it'd be ridiculous because obviously the Chiefs have plenty of talent. 
and maybe I'm just foolish to not have them winning because of, you know, all the added offensive line, all the defensive players they were able to acquire even. And we'll see what happens. Ultimately, I think that we could see them make a big trade for maybe a top cornerback to really kind of set this defense up. But I think ultimately, based on what we've seen from the Chiefs year in and year out, you don't want to shake up too much because getting to the Super Bowl is hard enough as it is. Winning it is, you know, one out of 32 is extremely tough odds. So I'd mostly keep it going, but if they could get a top talent, you know, maybe someone like a, I'm trying to think of just like someone who could potentially become available. Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah, I mean, possibly, you know, maybe they look to move this pick to get an Odell or maybe they look around the league and are able to get, you know, some of the players that the Texans may lose after how bad a season they have, they may try to blow things up. Or maybe, you know, there's players around the league, maybe like a Julio that could be available if the Falcons really do decide to move on from them. So there's plenty of options. There's plenty of potential that could happen. And the Chiefs may look to really add another weapon or add another great star on the defense if they lose again. But yeah, it's tough to say because, most of most of all, you just want a successful team, and the Chiefs have definitely accomplished that so far. Yeah, and lastly here, how close are the Browns? I mean, I, you have them losing here to the Chiefs, it looks like. I think they're very close. I think they are narrowing the gap between at least them and the Bills. Um, we know the Chiefs are probably higher up. The Bills are also not that far off from the uh, – the Bills aren't that far from the Chiefs, but they just got to, you know, be able to get off the edge and get to Mahomes here. But, you know, if you're, let's just say record-wise here, are these three teams all within like two or three games of each other? Yeah, I'd say all four teams, really. I'm very high on the Indianapolis Colts, who is the, in that Philadelphia spot. Right. And I think Frank Reich doesn't get enough credit for how well Phil Philip Rivers looked last year because – Really, I think Rivers was washed, I, not in an offensive way. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, he's just bad now. But I think his talent was definitely not as good as it was, you know, earlier in his LAC career or even just near the end of it. We saw that final year for the Chargers, and he had a lot of down games. I think Reich helped cover that up tremendously. The natural talent is there for Wentz. It's just trying to get that confidence back. And with a guy like Reich, I think they will absolutely be able to do it. Uh more pertaining to your question, though, the Browns and the Bills are absolutely close. And it's one of those things I wouldn't be opposed to moving any of them around in this AFC kind of seeding right now. You know, I could move the Chiefs to that third AFC team uh, remaining and the Browns move to the AFC championship or the Bills move to the AFC championship. And I'd be perfectly fine with it. I think Baker Mayfield has kind of established himself uh, as this great QB for Cleveland. They've really gotten a great amount of talent on this defense. They added Jadavian Clowney. They have Miles Garrett, who's obviously one of the best defensive ends in football. They've really added to the linebacker room with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. They added Greg Newsom to the cornerback room. There's plenty of talent all around that really could push the needle for them and put Cleveland in that Super Bowl contending category. Right. But it's just oh, going okay. to come down to how consistently they're able to compete against the top teams and We'll see what happens. I, I really love what they have set in place right now. Circle now. Week one, the Browns at the Chiefs. Going to be a good one to start the season. 
Yeah, should be an absolutely phenomenal game. And I'm really looking forward to the Cowboys versus Bucks on that Thursday night game. Oh, yes. You know, any football when it's the first game of the season is going to be right. absolutely. I don't, we're going to have to hear all this talk for a way out. Like, this is the Cowboys year. The Cowboys are the team to beat this year. Dak, Zeke. Uh, and then the Bucks are going to blow them out. And that'll be a great way to start the season. <laughs> we'll certainly see. But for now, we're just here to analyze on what could happen until we get to actually talk about the games. Nick Durst, Michael Rockman here on Destination Draft Day. We appreciate everyone that came in to watch. We appreciate LandryFootball.com for the platform to talk on. Nick Durst, Michael Rockman, hope you guys have a good weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Take care.